0: there isn't this deity in the sky that's keeping score. It's the universal principle of balance. Everything has to come into balance. Everything has to come home. And home is harmony, and home is love, and home is inclusion and compassion. Home is the heart, right? And for that to happen, your soul is going to bring you into balance. And that's called karma. So when you are in attack mode and you've withheld a lot of love that's going to have to get rectified in your life you're going to have to clean up that mess this is the beauty of having an intentional spiritual practice i'm danielle Port, and you're listening to the lifestylist podcast
1: Well, we are indeed on a roll with the inner work on this podcast. Last week, we got the Trauma and Addiction download with Gabor Mate, and this week, we bring you another heavy hitter in the spiritual and emotional realm. I'm thrilled to bring Danielle Laporte back to the show for episode 433. The chat you're about to hear is a guide of sorts on how to be loving no matter what. A tall order indeed, but Danielle just wrote an entire book about it, so we're no doubt in good hands. Show notes, links, and transcripts can be found at LukeStory.com/slash Danielle, where you'll also find a link to her last appearance on this show in 2018, which was episode 161. Here's a little info about our guest for those of you who are not yet familiar. Danielle speaks and teaches about the intelligence of the heart. Her most recent book, How to Be Loving, When Your Heart is Breaking Open and the World Is Waking Up, which we of course discuss here at length, is also an audiobook, an ebook and a companion deck and journal. She's also the author of the Firestarter Sessions, The Desire Map, White Hot Truth, and the producer of dozens of meditation kits and online programs for spiritual support. And she's also the creator of the Heart-Centered Membership and Heart-Centered Leadership programs with over 400 leaders in 30 countries hosting conversation circles, retreats, and workshops in all kinds of communities and businesses. And here's a quick cheat sheet on just a couple of the topics covered. Although we really meander in and out of dozens of topics in the realm of personal development and spirituality, this one was definitely more in the spirit of a dialogue than a classical Q&A interview. But we did discuss how Danielle handled being canceled and her secret to loving angry internet trolls, the elusive difference between living as love and spiritual bypass, what you don't know about the ego and why we need to keep it on board. How to Get Past the Deafening Noise of This World to Find Your True Identity, and finally her view on plant medicines and why she doesn't choose this path for herself, and many more insights into the path of self-realization. And I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that some of you will likely be interested in exploring her incredible courses and membership programs, so we've posted links to those in the show notes for this episode, which you can find again at lukestory.com slash Danielle. And to show your support for not only Danielle's work, but your own life, you can pre-order her new book in the show notes as well. It drops in two weeks on October 11th, 2022. Okay, that's it. Let's get to the business of learning how to love with Danielle Laporte on the Lifestylist Podcast. All right, here we go, Danielle Laporte. We are back, back in black. We are on track. Let's do
0: this. I'm so excited to be here. You know, this is one of my first official conversations about all things new. It's been a while since we hung out. So like this feels extra. I'm I'm grateful. Thank you.
1: I'm excited too. I just remember when we met, this would have been in 2018 mm-hmm. and it was at uh, the Longevity Now conference in Orange County. And I was aware of you as being a spiritual teacher and someone kind of in the personal development field. I hadn't delved deeply into your work at that time, but you were one of the keynote speakers. And I was just like, I got to grab all the speakers I can get. Your talk was great. You seemed really tapped in. And I just remember, and I haven't gone back and listened to that since we did it because I don't listen to my podcast anymore, but I mm-hmm. used to, to just get better at it. Probably should still for some people listening. Um, but I just remember sitting there and dropping in, and we just went into this really beautiful field. I remember it as being a, a very intimate, very real, very open-hearted exchange, and it really, it really had an impact on me.
0: Mm, mm, yeah. I remember our conversation.
1: Yeah, some yeah. you know people often ask me, "Oh, what's your favorite guest?" or this and that, and it's it's usually not even when it's in person. At least it's not so much about the content of what was shared, but more about the context of the experience of that person, just for me personally, just how it felt in the room. And I just remember you going, God, man, she is so dope.
0: (laughs) I remember some questions. I remember you asking me about dating. and
1: um... (laughs) Yeah, I really needed help in that department back then. (laughs) That's why.
0: (laughs) And now look at us. We're both in love. We both moved. Yeah, and I remember listening to your podcast in the early days when, you know, I think you're in your L.A. apartment and you were still styling and making the leap over to podcasting and now look at you. Now I'm keying yeah. in discount codes for via <laughs> Luke <laughs> yeah. to get stuff. Yeah, yep. great. I appreciate
1: I that. that. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's quite a journey. That transition was, um, I wouldn't say it was scary. It was just, it was a step into the unknown in terms of just actually making a living. It wasn't scary as in, oh, is this where my heart is calling me to venture? That was very clear, but it was, it was unknown in terms of how do you turn this thing into a way that you pay the bills with? Mm -hmm. That part was kind of fly by night Mm -hmm. for the first couple of years. It was, it was rough, but I owned another business at the time um, that able, was able to kind of, fund my life and and get over that hump. But yeah, that's wild you bring that up. I remember sitting in my little you know, two-bedroom apartment in LA and un- unknowingly I was getting fried by these cell towers <laughs> that were up above my apartment. I was doing all these shows about optimizing your health and you know, all the things and meanwhile like I was really sick a lot of the time during that first uh, year or so that I had the podcast and you know, seeking all these solutions which ultimately ended up being a gift because I did find some really incredible kind of obscure modalities um, for, you know, physical health and healing and whatnot that I probably wouldn't have found if I wasn't feeling so shitty at that time.
0: And isn't that the way, right? With so many people in this space, like this is too much information, but I was just having a colonic yesterday. (laughs) Good for you, girl. (laughs) (laughs) And every, every good healer or like really knowledgeable practitioner in the space has got some healing story like yeah I had this autoimmune disorder for a while and then I figured this out and this out and now it's my business and like that's the way it should be and I think I mean we can start going deep already but I think that's part of what happens when someone goes through their dark night they make this commitment I I feel like and I observe there's this twofold commitment. It's like, I personally am never going back there again. Whatever it was, the mental instability, the physical challenges, and the double commitment is I will do whatever it takes to help flatten people's learning curve and get them through their passage, whether it's a colonic <laughs> or it's your energy healer or you're a minister, whatever it is.
1: Yeah. Well, that was something that I tapped into pretty early on in my journey um, of sobriety, right? Was just Mm -hmm. coming into it and just abject suffering and pretty quickly cluing into the principle of service. And although it was unattainable in the very beginning, it wasn't long before, even though I had very little to offer and was still very compromised in all the ways, maybe if I had 21 days. 56 days sober, I was like an enlightened master to someone who yeah. was on day one. You know? yeah. it was like yeah. I found that it was so fulfilling to be able to serve. And also just that I was compelled to do so because I felt it was almost as if I had a contract with God or something, even though it wasn't a, a quid pro quo prayer that I uttered that got me sober. It was just like a sense of reverence and that there was, I don't know if a debt to pay might be a little strong language, but it's kind of like I owe this to myself to be able to um, at least try and alleviate suffering mm. once you make it out. It's kind of like someone comes and rescues you from behind enemy lines. It takes a certain type of self-initiative just be like, peace, good luck to the rest of the guys. You know, I'm out. Mm-hmm. It's like there's something in you compels like, oh, there's still three guys back there in the POW camp and you, you'll do anything to go back and try and drag them out if they're mm. willing to walk. But anyway, I want to get into current events and stuff and not. I'll ramble on too much and everyone will get mad at me. Your new book, it's called How to Be Loving as Your Heart is Breaking Open and the World is Waking Up. And for those listening to this podcast, uh, it will be out in about two weeks from the time of this publishing date, which is October 11th. But I want to let people know before I forget, please go pre-order it because it's a fantastic book and we're going to talk about a bunch of things But I would really like to center a lot of it around the teachings in this book, because as I've been reading over the past few days, I'm just like, man, there's so much gold in here. So, my first question for you, Danielle Laporte, is Mm -hmm. Is the world really waking up? Because, man, (laughs) (laughs) by appearances, it seems like we are on a landslide into deep Mm -hmm. unconsciousness. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, Yes, the world is really waking up. It's inevitable, it's the natural arc of evolution. And things get worse before they get better all the time. I think we're in the midst of a global detox.
1: and A global colonic?
0: It's a global colonic. (laughs) And some of us are paying for it and some of (laughs) us are resisting. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think this is shadow time where there's shadow, where there's light, vice versa. From my own experiences of dark times, always got worse before it got better. And all the stuff has to come up. It has to come up so you can look at it and love it and transform it. So all the stuff that's hidden, it's coming up. Um, you, and, you know, we can see all that division and all that polarity of like, this is true. No, this is true. No, this is true. No, this is true. And then we can see things that everybody can agree on are being dismantled. We're not all agreeing on whether that's, that dismantling is positive or negative. But things are falling apart. And I think most of us can have either been through this recently enough. Let's say recently enough being in the last decade, we had our own upheaval, which I think has been boot camp to be leaders, healers, friends right now. Or <laughs> we know what's going on in our own kitchens and bedrooms and boardrooms, that things are, there's a shakedown. There's anxiety, there's darkness, there's despair. I think you know well let me ask you like if you you know I know a lot, I know the I know a lot of your community but if we both thought right now out of 10 of our friends like what's the crisis ratio I'd say I'm actively thinking about this right now I'd say half of my friends are in crisis and and it's different and it's like quote just a divorce some people are fighting for their lives in terms of you know, their bodies. And then the other half of us went through it, feeling great right now, feeling strong, feeling like we're the center of the friend hub right now. And we may fall apart tomorrow, but I think that's a great micro of what's happening on the global.
1: Well, I, I self-select friends. Um, I I try to pick the best spiritual bypassers. So everyone's just happy, (laughs) love and light all the time. (laughs) (laughs) No dark nights of the soul around here. Um, But no, it's funny as you, as you pose that question back to me, I'm kind of, as you're speaking, running through my list of friends. And right now, everyone seems pretty solid. I mean, where I live Mm -hmm. uh, in Austin, everyone's having babies and are in relationships Mm -hmm. and there's Mm -hmm. a lot of community. And I know that's, you know, certainly not, been possible in many parts in the world, but um, for here it, it is right now. Um, but I think a lot of that is because the friends in my lives, typically, especially close friends, have had a tremendous amount of of adversity, mm-hmm. and you know are kind of not not that bad things aren't going to happen right to any of us, no matter how much we've healed or worked on ourselves, but. I think I gravitate toward people that are kind of on the other side of that and moving more into the contribution Mm -hmm. phase of life more so Mm -hmm. than just like, I'm still working on my family of origin shit. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, not that we're not always working, but I I feel fortunate to have some people around me that are super solid. And I know with me, it's more like those moments of struggle seem to be more short-lived as time passes on. It's like, I have a little tantrum over something and then uh, half an hour later, I'm like, okay. Or there's a a micro conflict in my relationship, half an hour later, it's okay. Like it doesn't, it doesn't seem to persist. Whereas earlier in life, earlier Mm -hmm. on my journey, if I were, um, you know, triggered into an old pattern by something, I mean, it could be weeks or months (laughs) until I was able to get out of it, Mm -hmm. right? And now it's kind of like, oh, nope, slippery slope. And I just have built, I think, the discipline and, and had a lot of grace to not, totally lose my shit
0: yeah you've you've become you're spacious you're resilient like true and i don't mean faux resilient i don't mean the sucking it up life hacker excuse me if i can use can i use that term life hacker on this yeah totally i don't talk about (laughs) hack. my
1: thing's not hacking your life my thing is on integrating tools and principles into your life and building a robust vital life
0: i'm in i'm in for all of that yeah uh yeah i think we get out of hacking and we become actually softer which i think is what resilience is all about it's about a it's about a gentling not about toughening up yeah, yeah.
1: i like your perspective and your writing on resilience because there is a perspective of toughness and tenacity versus mm-hmm a more Zen approach to resilience, right? The ebb and flow, the waning of a, a strong tree in the wind, right? It's not like bucking up against that wind. It's going, oh, lean to the left <laughs> for a minute, take the hit and you know, find your equilibrium in the center again. I, I really like the way you describe that. Um, before we get into some other stuff uh, from your book and just your general teachings that I'm excited about, I got to talk about, and I know you do cover this a bit recently, but I think we got to talk about cancel culture and and virtue signaling. Um, I don't know what happened with you a couple of years ago, but I think you were like an early adopter on the receiving end of some a- attempted canceling. I don't know how effective it was. Mm-hmm. And I didn't look that deeply into it because I'm just obsessed with what's going on in my life. But, um, <laughs> but it was like something around using the term, you know, white light or something like this, and it got misconstrued as like physical, racial, whiteness, or whatever I saw on it. And I was just like, "Oh, poor girl, man, this is so stupid <laughs> like from what I saw, um, so you know, I don't want you to go relive the details of it, but maybe you could describe in brief kind of what your personal experience as a public figure who in in my estimation is is really being of great service to large numbers of people and is motivated by love, as your new book would um, indicate.
0: Well, I think what anybody, hopefully what anybody who goes through a cancel situation learns is that there's a lot of people and a lot of pain. And there's a lot of blind spots on every side, the side that's getting canceled, the side that's doing the canceling. Like, There's lots of I think there's lots of softening to do. But the problem with cancel culture is it creates this bracing and this further division. And my observation with the the those that move towards canceling, you know, doing the canceling is that, and this isn't the case across the board because nothing is across the board. So sometimes, you know, there's a light side and a shadow side to everything, right? So light side of cancel culture is holy anger. And um, holding people accountability for the sake of everybody moving forward. Like there's a real beauty to it, right? Um, There's justice on behalf of the collective. That's great. That's more of like a call out, a righteous call out. Cancel is got that energy of obliteration. And it's so rife with projection. It's a kind of insanity. So my observation with my own experience and other people's experiences is that like everybody comes out with their issues. They're just like, all right, you are currently on the cross. I'm going to take all my unhealed stuff and send it in your direction. So I've got unhealed issues around ageism or ableism or my father stuff or my mother stuff or just, I'm going to find out a way that I can connect you to toxic patriarchy or nationalism or whatever it is. And the person who's in the cancel hot, hot seat gets that kind of paintball. And, you know, part of it, you can't talk about cancel culture without talking about virtue signaling. And my observation has been It's really, um, it's those who lean toward that false power that comes with being the counselor or the caller-outer, depending. And again, this isn't across the board, um, where they are really um, exuberantly hyper-judgmental about people's virtuous actions. My understanding, my knowledge, my heart knowledge now of virtue is that your virtue is between you and your God. It's between you and your soul. And nobody else can know clearly or or say justly what your intentions are. Now, lots of people are intuitive and empathic and wise. There's Bazillions of us and you could look at someone and say that is just a photo opportunity. They are just that is so halo polishing. you may be your your wisdom may be making the right call. maybe that person really is actually virtue signaling. but just let them do it back off because I think what happens is when we do the right thing for the wrong reason, so maybe we're making the donation or maybe our Alliances are performative. Something good always seeps in to someone's psyche or life as a result of that faux virtuousness, right? As a result of the photo opportunity. And shaking hands,
1: kissing babies, that kind of thing. yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, they soften a little. Yeah. They learn something about who they're hanging out with and trying to help so that they look good. And they might see the benefit of their sharing their place at the table. They might sh- see the benefit of their, um, you know, their inclusiveness that they're just kind of checking off in a box. And they get a little more aware and they get a little more gentle. And then maybe they actually evolve into being truly virtuous but if we come off and we if, if we cut people off at the pass, even if they're in performance mode, they're going to be so shocked and wounded and afraid of coming out again when their heart does soften that there's just going to be so much hesitancy so cancel culture the dark side is it's extremely divisive and you know this could lead us into a conversation around karma, which is uh, to say it ain't good for it. Anybody. Yeah.
1: In my experience, nothing has a bigger impact, and I mean nothing, on how I feel and perform each day than my quality and quantity of sleep. Honestly, I've tried every supplement and biohacking technology out there to improve my mood, energy, and focus after a crappy night's sleep, and there is nothing that makes me feel better than a good night's sleep. And unfortunately, lack of sleep is simply not hackable in my experience. And the thing that's had the single biggest impact on my sleep is temperature regulation. This company, Chili Sleep, makes the coldest and most comfortable sleep systems available. I started out back in the day using their Cube, then onto the Uller, and most recently their new Dock Pro, which is by far my most cherished sleep tool. It works like this. The Chili Sleep mattress pads keep your bed at the perfect temperature for deep, cold sleep. And with the Doc Pro, I can even set the app to change temperatures throughout the night and even turn warm in the morning to wake me up rather than using an alarm clock. It's really cool. And by the way, it also saves me a grip of money on my electric bill to not run the AC cold all night long. So I'll invite you to supercharge your sleep right now at sleep.me slash Luke Story, where you will save 25% off the purchase of any Cube, Uller, or new Doc Pro sleep systems. Now, this offer is available exclusively for Lifestylist Podcast listeners and only for a limited time. That's S-L-E-E-P dot slash Luke Story to take advantage of these exclusive discounts so you too can wake up refreshed every day. And trust me, you'll thank me later. I want to read something. I, I rarely do this because I'm not that great at reading out loud, but I'm going to give a, a stab at it. Uh, something you wrote about cancel culture. And I was just like, this is so spot on to me. Ring so true. It says, quote, too much clinging to our personal traits and we end up congested with opinions. We become hard to please, botherable, political, separatist in subtle and overt ways. This bleeds into our social media sphere too. A subtle pressure to stake our claims regarding world events, culture, aesthetics. And this is, this is the one I highlighted here. The shadow nature is always pushing us to pick a side, which we know, but also to go public with it, right? That's the, mm-hmm. that's the showing the side, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we close our minds to the possibility that our opinions change. It's all the trappings of cancel culture. To continue... We're in such a crisis of human division that true virtue is getting canceled as virtue signaling, which is kind of what you're elaborating on here to mm-hmm. a degree, and the cancelers of virtue are lauded as virtuous. Ultimately, your intentions for goodwill or ill are between you and the infinite. Mm-hmm. Lastly, uh, and this, this is a beautiful way to close this, uh, virtues are not something that you do or perform. They're not a behavioral system for earning your keep on the planet. Virtues are the light of truth that flows into you and out of you. To be virtuous is simply to reflect the divinity of life. Virtuousness is true Mm self-realization. And what Mm -hmm. I, I, and maybe you could elaborate Mm -hmm. on that, but what I take from that is, I mean, when I think of the virtuous parts of myself or times in which I am more virtuous than others, it's just about aligning with my highest values, right? And and there's almost, when, it, when I have an opportunity to, say, practice unconditional love or forgiveness, which is a, a val- values that I cherish deeply, and I'm faced with a, a circumstance that gives me a very difficult opportunity to practice that, when I do, and I hold that within my heart uh, with some degree of humility, I feel the benefits of that um, are long-lasting and become integrated into my character. Whereas, if I were to do a social media post or even call someone and say, "Hey, guess what? Remember that asshole that I wanted to kill last week?" Well, I just forgave them. You know, it's almost like mm-hmm. it's almost like one loses the karmic uh, to go back there. The karmic benefit of mm-hmm. the the exercising of that or the practice or application of that value or that principle. By allowing the ego to co-opt it into a commodity, right? Whereas, you know, like when you, you know, hand a homeless person 20 bucks, like how good that feels. I mean, it's a a drop in the bucket. It might not be that meaningful to, to us, but maybe it is to them that day. And it's like, if we just hold that as our little secret between us and them and God, there's a certain sweetness in it. Whereas if I come home and say, hey, yeah, I saw this guy, guess what? I gave him a 20, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just like you were just robbed of the karmic merit of that gesture by the grandiosity of you patting yourself on the back.
0: Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a beautiful way of putting That's a great story. It's a great storytelling. Yes, yes to all of that. I don't think, though, that we have to be silent about giving let's say let's say like the virtue is generosity i don't you know my early days i worked at the body shop anita roddick was like the founder she was one of the progenitors of like triple bottom line social responsible socially responsible business and her theory was be public about your giving so that you can inspire others to do the same and i think she was coming from a really pure place and it wasn't sort of taking the merit out of the merit you know right um what you're talking about is performativeness. What you're talking about is being able to be still like that moment where you decide to brag about your giving, or you could just like just share about your, your giving and how vulnerable you felt or how powerful you felt or the pain of the other person. There's like always this opportunity to see that person. I just gave that 20 bucks to could have been me. And we tap into this like oneness awareness. Mm. I like the term oneness awareness because I don't think we all, any of us here gets that we're actually one because we are in this, you know, we live in a dualistic dimension, right? But um, yeah, we tap into oneness awareness when we just get still with the virtue. You know, an example I give in the book is you can have one virtuous behavior and two different approaches. So I can say, I'm going to go dish out soup at the soup kitchen because I feel like that could have been me because this has caused me so much agony the condition of my city I got to help I got help and you can even feel desperate about it i think that's really love nudging you on or you can go because um you might not even tell anybody but you're going because you want to polish your halo uh in christian terms you'd say you're trying to earn divine favor um you know, I just switched being Catholic to being new age. So I went from like being a sinner to burning my karma. And it was just like the same punishing thing. It was just like a different different channel. That's
1: good. That's good.
0: Um, yeah. And I find when I'm really in virtue, I'm so much more relaxed. Like my heart's breaking, but, you know, to use... Uh, an oftly used sound, uh, term right now, nervous system. But when I'm in virtue, which for me is really like aligned with my soul, I am chill. And I think more clearly. I don't feel as... Well, virtue dissolves the ego. But you don't do it to dissolve your ego, but it's what happens. It's really beautiful.
1: Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, speaking of ego you, just, ego, you just reminded me of something funny. I haven't thought about this in years, but early in my journey when I was just starting to develop a, a, a modicum of self-awareness and you know, learn how to have some generosity and, and, um, and some virtue, I guess, uh, having been a former waiter for a long time, uh, I would sometimes give uh, wait staff like, ridiculously big tips. And I noticed at one point that I was doing it, but I had an attachment to them being impressed by my generosity. So, like, if I didn't get acknowledgement from them, it, I didn't even get the juice out of it, you know. And I started mm-hmm. to see, like, ooh, I want them to think I'm a high roller, or I'm just such a great person. And it was like, you know, it was it was devoid of the depth of satisfaction I was seeking and thankfully i was able to see that and then just anonymously you know leave my big tip and get out of there right and not yeah. wait for them to go oh my god thank you sir wow i'm so impressed you know it's just, it's yeah. just
0: to, to illustrate You're one of us oh, yeah it's yeah. just
1: like to illustrate the um i don't know almost like the the naivete and stupidity of the ego the mm-hmm. tactics that it uses mm-hmm. are, are 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 clever but also just so dumb and in a way you know it's mm-hmm. like who does that what No, just leave the tip and get out of there.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, With the uh, cancel culture and, and, you know, I feel like for people that are in the public eye to whatever degree now, there's a walking on eggshells kind of energy. And I I find that with myself too. I mean, whether I'm going to be canceled by the public at large or by the censorship algorithms on the tech platforms that don't like certain things that I have to say or my perspective about them, Mm -hmm. there's a tiptoeing like, Oh, can you still say that? Or you watch comedians now that are kind of becoming very vanilla and safe. And those that are being old school comedians are getting canceled or at least attempted for someone who's kind of walked through the fire of that. Um, how how do you deal now or maybe, you know, advise someone who's dealing with um, unfair criticism and accusations and that is being canceled or having attempts at their canceling? Like, how does one build resilience to that and operate from a healed, loving place rather than allowing your wounds to cause you to react to that person's wounds that are trying to attack you in the first place?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, there's pre-cancel, there's during cancel, and there's the aftermath. Okay, good. Cancel. good yeah. So pre-cancel, which is what everybody is existing in right now, which has got everybody's nervous system jacked. Can I say this? Can I say this to the person on the bus, to my mother-in-law? Can I say this online? Why are you saying what you're saying? Like there's an intention behind all communication. So I really think that it's the ego gets us in trouble. Um, I mean, lots of, There's lots of pure intentions. There's lots of things that we do out of love that get misconstrued. And those are part of our karmic lessons and everything. But really, I think lots of us, because I see people on all sides of various issues right now. I've actually had conversations with people in our, you know, in our community of, you know, doing what we do for livings here and saying, you know, like, your hashtag is all about unity, But you're really, you're criticizing so many people who aren't pro-unity or who don't see things the way that you see things. And um, it's like, you know, over the last couple of years, I've even been hearing, you know, I get DMs saying, you need to speak out about this. You need to speak out about that. First of all, don't assume my opinion, my perspective. It's very, my opinions are very variegated. They're not as black and white as I think people would like. People with a microphone to have, so um, it's interesting. I've called other people, called out other people about being called out. Do it gently, do it and DM. Like I love you, brother, but do you really? That was so stinging. Where is that coming from? Is that like you didn't get what you needed from your whoever? You know. Um, so I think there's cancel culture. All the division is a really backhanded way for us to really be mindful about our speech in a really holistic um conscious way it's a called consciousness what are you saying what is your tone what's the origin of that what's the intention behind the communication then during the canceling if it should happen to you for whatever reason whether you just stepped in it or you really did mess up uh there is wisdom in retreat You've really got to know that you've you've got to know the basics of gang mentality, of um, cult culture, and that you are going to be the whipping person. I mean, even I'm even conscious of that. Even using that phrase, there's so many there's so many phrases you just need to be mindful of. They come out sometimes. You go, oh wait, I know the origin of that phrase. You were going to be the scarecrow that somebody. Sets fire to. And there's a meta perspective of that, which is I create my reality. This is for my highest good. And I'm going to turn my highest good into something better for everybody. And I attracted this, manifested it. What I don't think I'm responsible for attracting and manifesting, I'm going to leave up to some mystery. And We're all going to go through micro crucifixions in order to become who we really are. I mean, this is really, here's the, here's the, here's the beauty of being canceled is you are radiant on the other side. You are radiant on the other, any side after you walk through any fire. And, and what's coming off is like all these masks of the ego of just like, I can't be taken off my position. I can't, you can't, what you can be. And so there's that. And then you have to look at the reality of actually being a victim. Because lots of people legit get hit. It's like you're walking down the street with great intentions, and there's a gang looking for a fight. That gang just have have unhealed inner children. <laughs> and they're going to come over and beat the shit out of you. And you're going to have to deal with the shame and the pain and the sorrow. And just, it's almost inconceivable when that happens. And then you might want to consider what your lane is and your life purpose. And this isn't about shutting up and putting up. This is about what are you here to do, really? What are you here to talk about? Are you here to talk about meditation or better parenting? then just do that and do it well and do it deeply. Because when you're in your dharma, you're in your zone that way, you can really make sure that you're coming from a place of love. And if someone is pushing against you, you're not going to get thrown off your center. What I see happening a lot in our spaces, and this is you know that part you read out of how to be loving, which is the ego mind, the personality wants us to pick a side and be public about it. And the pressure to do that from everybody else's ego is really intense these days, especially if you're making your living via social media. And it's been one of my great, um, I would say, spiritual practices to be still and just offer what I am here to offer. And I know that it's my personality, my ego that says, oh, I should have an I I should get into that argument over there. I got I got some. Hey, listen, I am not short of opinions. <laughs> and but I do not need to express all of them yeah. all the time. And that is actually an act of love, keeping it to myself and focusing on what I am focusing on my gifts, basically.
1: That's beautiful. That's a that's a very potent message. Yeah, there's um Something I found really intriguing in there is remaining in your dharmic lane, right? Mm -hmm. And and I've noticed this, speaking of the DMs, um, when there's a big cultural or political event, um, I guess I kind of drug myself into that because I've been pretty outspoken about my disagreement with the official story for the past yes. couple of years. You can just say that my audience knows my position on it. Yes. Um But because I, you know, I talked about something kind of out of my lane because it sort of entered into my lane because I talk a lot about health and this was mm-hmm. a health issue. So it was like, well, I do actually have something to say. And this, this is my lane, but then there'll be yes. something like people messaging me, oh, you know, you need to post a black square on in your Instagram or most recently it was you know, how dare you not talk about abortion when the the thing happened, you know, the Roe versus Wade thing Mm -hmm. and living in Texas, you know, as if like, Mm -hmm. I have something to do with what Texas does or doesn't do legislatively, you know, but it's like, there was this vitriol. And I think what it was is like the collective ego or the ego of those people as individuals wants me to take a side because they're so invested in their side. And I didn't. And I didn't have anything to say about that particular issue, A, because it's incredibly complex and vastly nuanced. And I personally have learned at the ripe age of 51 to not open my mouth about something that is Mm. a loaded cannon unless I'm very sure about what my perspective is Mm -hmm. and my perspective doesn't happen to come about the day after a news story breaks like there's a lot to to digest in and something it, it, like that and it's, it's and it's also not it's not my lane it's like
0: that's right
1: what what difference does it make to this person dming me or whatever like what do you want me to say like if i say this it's going to make you feel better and if i say that mm-hmm. it won't you know it's like
0: well this is this is part of the collective shadow right is now we're so we're getting so um, fed by the polarization it's just jacking it's just like ego masturbation that I my sense is that there's actually this scanning now for silence like people are policing like oh you didn't talk about that oh then this must be your stance on that <laughs> and that is heartbreaking sad and very dangerous yeah
1: yeah it is you're so right it's like Sometimes your silence on an issue is um, assuming your guilt, right? Or assuming your position when it's just, you know, just for people listening, man. Sometimes people don't know what to say about something. It's, It's too big to just form an opinion or just shoot off the cuff about something that is so potentially... Um, you know, disturbing to folks. I, I feel anyone that has some kind of platform, mine's not that big, but there's a few people listening, and I'm not just going to pop off with something unless I feel pretty damn sure and I can back up whatever my point of view happens to be and mm-hmm. And hopefully that point of view evolves and changes over time. And I think with the cancel culture thing, one of the most sad things about it is that it by and large negates the opportunity for someone to evolve and to grow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, if I think about ways in which I used to behave through the early couple decades of my life, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's mortifying. And I you know, I have a healthy regret for much of my behavior, especially in the years when I was a drug addict. I mean, it's just horrible the, the way that I treated people and, and ultimately treated myself. But God, if I was being judged against that now, I mean, I'd be crucified, you know, I crucify myself over some of the things that I did. Right. But it's like, wow, what a, what a sad world it is. If, if someone says something in a tweet in, you know, 2008 and it's being held against who they are today as someone who's been through deaths and divorces and births and God knows what inner work, hopefully they've been doing. It's like, where's the room for us to actually evolve if we're. Um, crucified on the cross of one statement we made or one mistake we made and and show me a human that's infallible, <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. come on, dude, I do stupid things every day. And I just, I try to be aware of them and, you know, slowly over time improve and become a better person because I'm, I'm drawn to be that way. But mm-hmm. do, do you feel, what do you feel about that of like, just the zero forgiveness and zero opportunity for evolution or change?
0: Oh, tragic tragic and this goes back to the point I was raising about karma with cancel culture so my understanding of karma is not so much about punishment it's not you know there isn't this deity in the sky that's keeping score it's the universal principle of balance everything has to come into balance everything has to come home and home is harmony and home is love and home is Inclusion and compassion home is the heart right and for that to have for that to happen, your soul is going to bring you into balance and that's called karma so when you are in attack mode so you've you've spewed a lot of vitriol and you've withheld a lot of love that's going to have to get rectified in your life and it may be lifetimes In the future, (laughs) and maybe in some other dimension, but you're going to have to clean up that mess. And this is the beauty of having an intentional spiritual practice: is you get to kind of get in front of that karma. And I mean, it's this—you got to be sure it's not all about earning divine favor. But it's like, wow, my suffering has led me to the awareness that we are all connected. My suffering has led me to the awareness that I have a lot of shadow and I have a lot of light. Got it. That's like, you know, that's the first loop on the spiral to higher consciousness. And it's from there, you know, you're really in your heart center. It's from there that you set out to like clean some things up. I mean, this is why I've got lots of opinions about recovery methodologies and 12-step but then one of the beautiful things i think about the 12-step program is making amends it's so empowering i think my experience over the last couple years is that forgiveness is the best high that there is and asking for forgiveness is is like it's some spiritual badassery. You might not even get it. I mean, that's it really refines you. You ask for forgiveness and you don't get it. Ah, oh, wow. Then you've really got something to sit with. You really see what you're made of then, yeah.
1: Yeah, the, um, yeah, I mean, imagine a world where, I mean, I guess we don't have to imagine it's present with a certain number of people, but imagine a world where no amends are accepted, right? <laughs> no, no amendments no forgiveness is is given despite how humbly one might ask for it and you you brought to mind that that principle of restitution or making amends um, in the twelve steps and oh my god what a powerful practice I remember years ago I'll, I'll share this with you um, I guess I share it with a few thousand people. Mm -hmm. Again, one of those things I'm not proud of, but it's just the way it was when I was first sober. um, As they say in, in circles of recovery, what do you get when you sober up a horse thief? You got a sober horse thief. Um, So one of the things I did when I, when I first sobered up is um, I had a job and I was stealing money from my job because I've, you know, I had all these justifications for uh, why that was a fair thing to do and so i was able to justify it even though i knew like ah that's kind of the way i used to be i'm not supposed to be that way anymore but these people are assholes so i'm going to do it anyway i stole money for a little while moved on to another job and that sat in my conscience for probably god i don't know 15 years or something yeah. and it yeah. was one of those and i made a lot of amends i mean i went and did the list and i did all the things to all my loved ones and anyone i could think of but that one since it was a financial restitution, it was like, well, I'll do it later when I have more money. You know, I sh- I'll do it, but like, I'm just trying to pay my bills. Anyway, at some point, you know, I was really starting to look in the nooks and crannies of my inventory and it's like, yeah, that wasn't right. So I tracked down the woman who had owned that restaurant and I said, Hey, listen, you know, I'm, you might not even remember me, but I worked for you for a period of time. And I'm virtue signaling right now, by the way. Um, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, it's it's a good story. So I tracked her down and I said, listen, I could, would you be willing to meet me for coffee? I I owe you an amends. And she obliged and I went and had coffee with her and I, um, and I, you know, told her the story and admitted what I had done and said, listen, I'm, I'm ready to pay you. And I don't know the exact amount, but this is a ballpark. And it might have been a little less than it was. I had no way of knowing, but it was, it was enough to hit me, you know, a couple of few thousand dollars. And um, and she was so moved mm-hmm. by that experience. Not only was the apology accepted, but she said to me, and she was she was prior quite a wealthy woman, I, I think. And she said, "Luke, you have no idea. My family and I are destitute right now." And oh, man, it's, yeah, it's very <laughs> moving. <laughs> it was a it was yeah. a pow- it was a powerful experience. And she said, "You know, we've just." things have gone poorly for us. And and like a couple thousand dollars means a lot to me right now. And I would absolutely be willing to accept that. And we just had the most beautiful human exchange, right? Of like no longer an employee to a boss, a man to a woman, whatever stratosphere we were existing in socioeconomically. Now I was kind of on the up, she was on the outs. And, and it really meant a lot to her to the point where she even contacted me after that. And she said, Luke, after that happened, uh, my relationships within my family started to improve. And she had this whole cascade of, you know, aftershocks of just one kind, virtuous gesture of just applying one principle. And it was so powerful. Um, and I'm so glad you reminded me of that because I actually forgot about it until this moment. But had she said, no, I'm canceling you forever. Not that she had to forgive me. But if she said, no, I'm not even going to meet with you because i've canceled you then you know where is the healing not only for me but where's the healing for her mm-hmm. right of of being given the opportunity to practice forgiveness within her heart and then actually receive a few bucks too you know it's like mm-hmm. it was it was such a win win um of that type of example
0: that act i mean that's you embodying a virtue right you it's it's there in all of you i'm going to give you the money i'm going to meet with you i'm going to love you no matter what is like you just put everything into divine order. As like love just blasts everything open. That divine order, it's almost like, you know, I see it like this chiropractic adjustment. It's like, she got the crack, you got the crack. And look at all the harmony. There's just more love that flows into her life. She let that love in, you poured the love. It's, it's, it's beautiful. And we can all do that right now, today. You could do it in the next three days.
1: As someone who spends so much time, energy, and money to be healthy, I want to keep track of what's working and what's not. That's why I'm really into this company I found called Inside Tracker. They are an ultra-personalized performance system that analyzes data from your blood, DNA, lifestyle, and fitness tracker to help you optimize your body and reach your health and wellness goals. Through their app and testing protocol, I'm able to get a clear picture of what my body looks like on the inside. And I also get a clear measure of whether my diet, supplement, and exercise choices are helping or even hurting. I did the whole inside tracker deal recently and was actually shocked to find that I was less than perfect in some areas. My cholesterol and B vitamins were high, for example, and a few other things that needed a little tweaking. There was, of course, also some good news as my overall health score was that of a much younger person and certainly more optimized than your average American. And that's the point. The whole goal with Inside Tracker is to be optimized, not normal. So they don't merely show you the normal biomarker zones, they show you the optimal biomarker zones and numbers that are best for your individual body. So if you want to check this out, I highly recommend you sign up for Inside Tracker now. You're going to get your testing done, the results of your biomarkers, and then some incredible lifestyle and diet recommendations from their brainiac scientists to help you improve everything you find. Just go to insidetracker.com slash Luke, where you will save 25% off your entire order. That's insidetracker.com slash Luke.
0: You know, my lesson around forgiveness is that I've actually gotten off more, we're just talking about the high of virtue, (laughs) on actually asking for forgiveness. And I've always had a bit of a wrestle with, my, my, my struggle with forgiving has been, I've often thought me forgiving someone else for the pain they inflicted on me was kind of arrogant. It's just, you know, I had enough um, clarity to be aware of that like they're just trying their best and, you know, I could be pretty good at moving on sometimes, not all the time. Um, but there was one particular relationship I've had where I just thought for years, I just thought they were 90% the dick and I was just like 10%, you know, the fool. Um, but that I wasn't taking responsibility fully for my 10% and I mustered it up and I just like, okay. And I was very, I was, I'll, I'll we'll give myself the cred for being sincere on this. I just like, there are nine things they should apologize to me for, according to my moral standards, which I think are pretty universal. But I still owe them an apology for my stuff. And that is me expanding. It's not just, you know, I you're good. You tried your best. You owe me an apology for nine things. You're off the book. It's okay. But you know what? Let me show up and say sorry for my 10%. and. It was revolutionary for both of us. It was, uh, there were tears and more apologies. And uh, and I just went through my mental Rolodex, like who else do I need to say sorry to? And mm-hmm. some people I haven't had the courage to dig up and say, oh God, you know that thing I said on stage <laughs> about you? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. That thing I said in the workshop that was clearly related to you, that subtle dig. I still kind of, um, my ego is so spiritual, you know? (laughs) My ego is so good at self-help. It'll say, well, you meant well, and it's like, "Mm." or it was was nuanced, Danielle. You don't need to apologize for the nuance. No, listen, if the intention is in me, the apology is owed,
1: yeah. What about forgiveness in terms of actions that are truly unforgivable, Mm. right? I I think Mm. some of us, Mm. and I know I've struggled with this at times, um, you know, just thinking about the most egregious attacks by the worst perpetrators or the core wound folks, you know, for those of us that have been lucky enough to have those. Almost everyone, maybe. Definitely the people doing the canceling have some core wounds that they got to address. But um, it's like finding, I guess, the forgiveness for... Mm the entity, the energies behind that error, yet still maintaining the position of understanding of how wrong it was and how deeply Mm -hmm. it hurt you, you know, Mm -hmm. thinking about uh, somebody, you know, killed someone, you know, or the person that molested you, like just Mm -hmm. those Mm -hmm. things that you just can't find forgiveness for Mm -hmm. because they were just so wrong and so catastrophically damaging, you know, Mm -hmm. I've often struggled with separating that like well i forgive that person but the thing no way
0: no oh, i'm you know? so i'm yes let's do this i talk about this and how to be loving i call this the the wound to healing sequence oh so, yeah
1: i wrote all that down in my notes it's very cool yeah please please uh, illuminate okay
0: so you're born and you get messed up by your family of origin your original circumstances and then we have all this resentment, because we wanted this idealized situation, and that turns into shame, and that turns into guilt till we kind of go through the sequence till we get to forgiveness, which is everybody's doing the best they can. The extreme example that I like to use to really test my thinking with this is you know the systemized sex trafficking of children. I can't think of anything more heinous. There are a handful of things that go in that category, but there's that for me is. And for anybody listening, if you want to work with an organization, I'm going to give a charity plug. If you want to work with an organization that is on the ground, rescuing kids and rehabilitating them long-term, allyglobal.org. And I know them well, and I've been with them for three years.
1: Cool. Thank you. We'll, we'll put that in the show notes, folks. By the way, the show notes can be found for everything discussed here at lukestory.com slash Danielle.
0: So let's go with moderate trauma, let's say, that many of us have experienced. We can get to that place of what they did was heinous, it's on the dark side, and I'm going to let it go and I can heal and I can, and I can see that they were mentally ill, demented, hijacked by darkness, however you want to qualify it. Forgiveness will set you free, forgiveness will set them free. What happens though is that a lot of us only go up to that point where we're just like, you know, we end up in our therapist's office and we're looking at all the patterns in our life that are a result of our family of origin and our original traumas, what sexual abuse did to us, what neglect, all of those things. And that's beautiful and it's necessary. I'm pro-therapy. But I think we can't stop there. And I think this culture of of self-help just kind of hovers there and it's keeping us stagnant spiritually. I think something else to consider, and you got to make sure it's not a spiritual bypass is that We incarnate with a theme. So let me go back to the therapy for a second. Most of us in this space and listening right now know that like, hey, I attracted this shitty abusive boss because it reminds me of my overlording abusive caregiver. And I haven't healed that wound. So the pattern is repeating. We get that. Okay. What I'm asking us to do is like zoom out even further, which is you attracted, you magnetize to you these parents who are damaging, neglectful, trying their best, best intention, terrible intentions, because it's a theme, a growth theme, a pain body theme that your soul has been working with for eons of time. So. Let's go back to the therapy session. Your therapist is going to say to you, Great, can you see the gift in attracting a boss who is neglectful and overlording? And you can go, Yes, I can see that I'm going to reclaim my power, that I'm not going to neglect myself ever again. What a gift. But most of us, and it's understandable, most of us don't want to go to the place, especially in situations of extreme abuse of saying, my soul magnetized this abusive situation in my uh, early upbringing so that I could transmute this and learn that I am impeccable, magnificent, beloved. We, we, We bring all those dark things in so that we can become aware of our true nature. Does it make those dark things justifiable or even an iota of okay or right no (laughs) absolutely not but it's happening in this dimension called earth and this Hmm. dualism that we're in we are in dark and light we're in evil and good and meta meta not only does your soul say okay let's go in and let's start with some neglect and abuse so that you can really get crucified and rise. Uh, you're going to be that. You're going to be that darkness. You've been that darkness. Uh, you're going to try it all on. And you're eventually going to see that it is all, and this is unfathomable for most of our lives to consider. It's all of God. It's all of God and um and it doesn't make it right god knows what love is but god is animating life force is animating everything it's just when we forget that we are life force and love we do terrible terrible things
1: wow that's awesome thank you for that that's a great reminder especially the last bit there around all of it being God, <laughs> you know, it's like to to step into non duality when you're still in a body and there's still a separate mm-hmm. you across from me. I mean, this is this is challenging, right? For most very of us, challenging. And, and the yeah. ego hates it, yeah. and the intellect hates it. But there's something in our soul, at least for myself, I, I can speak that I just know this to be true that this, yes. this infinite thing we call God, this ineffable, undescribable thing, seeks to experience itself, so it expresses itself infinitely, which includes what we would determine on the side of the scale, the dualistic scale as evil and darkness, right? Mm -hmm. But think about, this is just me riffing here, think about a a world, If if this earth is a school, think about a world with no contrast like mm-hmm. how would you evolve if that's the purpose of us being here this is the way i reconcile the <laughs> yes. fact that there's famine and war and corruption and you know all of mm-hmm. the things it's just mm-hmm. either everything is god or nothing is and to lean mm-hmm. into the idea that nothing is is terrifying <laughs> it's <laughs> you
0: know? terrifying yes
1: and it's yes. no fun it's also just not fun and it there's no mystery then it's just oh nothing means anything and it's just complete shit show of an accident that we're put here uh, and then we die and that's the end of the story it's just like god how
0: boring for this let's just call it a theory small truth for this theory to work you do have to at least consider living multiple lives living interdimensionally right because when i see someone whether it's someone who's born into famine or has been has survived extreme sexual abuse trafficking or the the guy on the corner who's begging for change my immediate it wasn't always this way i've gone through phases of feeling pity and just you know gutted but my immediate response is respect when i see someone who's in extreme suffering i just think oh sister mister human like what you have taken on in this life is incredible. I'm not up for that suffering in this life. Maybe I've mitigated all my suffering, burned a lot of karma, and some of what I've got this time is reward, and I don't know what's coming. But I see someone who's chosen challenge, and it's inevitable this lifetime or the next time, they are going to transmute that and just be Jesus Christ superstar, you know? Um, and then when I look at the perpetrators of extreme evil, this doesn't happen all the time. Uh, I'm actually able to feel some compassion for them because the karma that is being wrought by someone who does such heinous things that we've, you know, brought up, um, is, I think, inconceivable. I think the mind, you know, it just imagine, you know, six thousand years in darkness, whatever extreme, or that happening to you times six thousand to equal to balance out the scales, and just like, you know, we we see this, we hear this phrase all the time in all the old classic films, the judge saying, you know, he hits down the gavel and says, "May God have mercy on your soul." I don't think it works like that. I think it's May your soul have mercy on you. And I mean, that gets us into the slope of what mercy actually is. But um, so, what help, what's helpful to me helps me be of service when I see a perpetrator and feel compassion for them because, man, they're going to have a lot to burn through. And when I see a victim, a legit victim, you know, and I feel so much respect for them, I can be of more service i show up with mental clarity i'm not pitying anybody my heart is engaged and i can have a compassionate response to everybody I can take action i can make the donation i can be at the soup kitchen i can whatever is called for but i the respect of the suffering has really helped me um stay sane and be useful
1: Oh man, I love that. What a great perspective. I like the Mm -hmm. idea of the uh, karma being things coming back into balance, right? It's like, I don't know, it's much more fluid than just a cold, hard cause and effect kind of perspective, right? Because I'm thinking, of course, as you speak back to things that happened to me when I was a kid, where I I was truly a victim um, Mm -hmm. in certain Mm -hmm. circumstances. Most Mm -hmm. of the bad shit that happened to me in my life, I had a very large part in helping to bring that in however, unconsciously, right? You know, going up and I mean, literally I did this when I was a kid, I went up to a wasp nest with a stick and just treated it like a pinata and cause and effect, like that instant karma, I got stung shitless and laid out in the mud in the garden. Um, But I did that, you know, metaphorically again and again throughout my life. But there were times early in life and I've examined those and just thought, you know, not not in a self-blaming way, but just that must have been something to, to to use your framework there of things coming back into balance right that there were things that i had done previously that were out of balance my my will or whatever it was at the time led me astray and um and it's likely that i was a perpetrator um to some degree and then that pendulum that i'm visualizing kind of as i came into this body in this lifetime went and was seeking its mm-hmm. equilibrium. And there I was caught in the crosshairs of that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And though without that opportunity, then I have nowhere to move my pendulum back into the light.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's, it's just has to be that way.
0: Mm-hmm. I, and well, someone has got to bang the wasp nest. And this, go, this gets into like, who's going to play the bad guy? in this lifetime right so you know there are some people in positions of so-called power those who have been so-called elected (laughs) lots of air quotes here um
1: you could you could put an s on the beginning of that speaking of the united states at least selected
0: (laughs) yes selected yeah um and I have you know, felt like such a rage at the tyranny that's happening across the planet right now. It's been happening for, you know, generations. And I, and I thought, okay, what's the compassionate lens to put on this? And here it is for me. Again, it does not, not for a nanosecond, justify the tyranny. We know this is wrong. This is out of, um, this is discordant. This is not in harmony with love. But I wonder if some of these leaders show up and just say, you know, before we're all incarnating, like, okay, I'm going to go into this theater called Earth. I'll play the fucking bad guy this time. Totally. So when I look at these bad guys and, and maybe like, I wonder if they're taking one for the team. Because there is cause and effect. They are going to accumulate karma that they are going to have to work through. It will not be easy for these fuckers, right? But I, I leave space for someone showing up and saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to take one for the team. And then you bring it down to like this plane. Like, why does this have to happen? Because they got to poke the nest, Look at what some of these leaders are bringing out. Look at all of, you know, the, the the woke, the new ager, the self-helpers who are talking about unity, who are just getting inflamed and enraged and creating more, more division. I mean, it's kind of, in a twisted way, kind of entertaining. You know, it's like, oh, all right, <laughs> unhealed-ish, I see the rage in there, you know. Um, and then look at all the people who were on sides that we thought were unevolved that were too this or too extreme or whatever and they're they're actually toeing the line of the buddhist middle way this is fascinating but it's because someone said i'm going to poke the nest let's see what's really in there under under this all
1: i had a vision one day where i experienced um i would say that deepest moments of source consciousness and true unity in, yeah. in, a, in a non-dual space. It happened to be after taking a massive hit of 5-MeO-DMT, but that's not even the point. It just it happened to be the tool that facilitated this, this knowingness and this experience. But in that, all of these people that i have judged to be the perpetrators these these bad guys that are taking on that role now in this at this point in time and it was it became the most hilarious cosmic giggle to me because i started to see how each and every one of them were playing their role with such utter perfection right it's like yes. Just name any of them. We don't even have to name names, but just whoever yeah. you think it is, right? You could think it's Orange Man. You could think it's George Soros, whatever, you know, yeah. whatever side your, your your ego's having you take, but it's like they're literally perfect <laughs> in their expression of that side of the duality. Mm-hmm. And furthermore, if, if they were all in prison tomorrow, if suddenly, um, you know, justice prevailed, and the powers that be decided to lock all these baddies away there's just there's a whole new crew of them that's just going to fulfill their place because uh, because of that balance right There's someone else who's going to play that role perfectly if you lock them all up, and you know maybe over eons and eons of human evolution, and as our consciousness collectively rises and rises, then perhaps the disparity between those two hard edges of duality from love to the absence of love maybe that gap will not be that as might. wide, right? Yeah. And that's yeah. that's what we we can hope for, but that moment gave me so much solace because it's like I don't need to fight them, I don't need to pray for their punishment or imprisonment. Yes. Or, you know, it's like yes. it's like you said, actually even going further the compassion for and I love that you brought this up, it's powerful is the compassion for the suffering that they are inviting into themselves. Mm-hmm is doing its job and will do its Mm -hmm. job.
0: Nobody needs to worry about anybody else's karma. Their soul is going to bring everything back into balance. You think about all that energy we burn around vengeance and and justice and balancing the skills. Listen, just clean up your own act. And (laughs) it's all going to get taken care of. And yes, 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 yes holy anger rocking the vote cleaning up the streets fighting for what's right but you can only fight for what's right when you're fighting for the collective like it's not right unless everybody is included in the benefits of the scales being balanced we all have to win or it's not justice
1: I want to take a couple minutes right here to share something really incredible with you. I've joined forces with over 100 other like minded creators in offering a massive collection of content to help us become more self sufficient in these rapidly changing and insane and definitely uncertain times. It's called the Off Grid Homestead Bundle, and it's truly an epic offer of immense value. The Off Grid Homestead Bundle is a collection of over 100 plus high quality ebooks, online courses, and guides for only $50, including my EMF Home Safety Masterclass, which is itself over six hours of training. Now, if you were to buy all of this content separately, everything we've all contributed to the bundle would cost over $6,000 in total, seriously. So at $50, you're getting a 99% discount. And as nuts as that sounds, there is no catch here whatsoever. Other than the fact that the bundle offer begins September 16th and ends September 25th, 2022, when all of the resources will go back to the regular price. There's literally everything in this bundle for living a life of freedom, resilience, and sustainability. Here are just a few of the topics covered. EMF mitigation, of course, as I mentioned, how to start homesteading and live off the land, permaculture, organic gardening, and holistic garden planning, foraging for mushrooms, maple syrup, nettles, and herbs safely and sustainably, Seed starting and seed saving for flowers and vegetables, canning and food preservation with water baths, pressure canning, and sugar free methods, self sufficiency and thriving off grid with smart solar powered solutions, online income, Instagram monetization, Airbnb rentals, and how to make money from a homestead, urban gardening and how to start a micro homestead from your apartment, creating chemical free cleaners, detergents, and home products from natural ingredients composting methods and how to repurpose scraps in your garden organic farming beekeeping and animal care natural remedies medicinal herbs and home remedies for a sovereign medicine cabinet prepping emergency preparedness and how to survive in the wilderness i need to learn that one myself natural beauty and how to make your own skincare and beauty products from plants farm to table recipes including sourdough baking brewing fermenting and cheese making sovereign womanhood home birth breastfeeding and holistic postpartum practices and even how to start homeschooling nature groups and forest schools and much more pretty crazy right tons of information now remember this is just a fraction of the content included for only 50 dollars as there are over 100 different courses ebooks and how-to guides in this bundle and like i said before there is no catch other than the fact that this offer ends soon All of us creators have come together to offer this amazing bundle, and we all agreed on doing a 99% discount to give something back to the community. And that community, my friends, is you. But again, it's only for nine days that we can offer this bundle for $50. So if you're interested in the topics I mentioned to become more self-reliant and independent, don't sleep on this one. The multitude of incredible thought leaders that created these courses, programs, and eBooks are offering their best life lessons at an enormous discount. And I'd say it'd be pretty tough to find this level of value combined in one collection at anywhere near this price. So if you're ready to join the movement of a more regenerative, healing, and holistic future, this is an offer you'll likely never see again. My closing question to you is this, are you ready for more empowerment in your life? I know I am, and I know many of you listening are, so here's what you do. Go to lukestory.com slash off-grid. That's lukestory.com slash off-grid. Registration is only open, again, September 16th through 25th, 2022. It takes about three minutes to sign up, and once you do, you get instant access to all the content, so you can start to build your knowledge base and get down with some deep learning. Again, go to lukestory.com slash off-grid to get access to everything, including my EMF course, for only $50. And by the way, you can also find this link in the show notes for this very episode on most podcast apps.
0: You know, this goes back to cancel culture and polarization. You can fight and you can fight with the virtue of harmlessness. And we are not, as a species, we are not good at this. I think we one thing my some of the deepest suffering i've had I've almost and i've i'm I'm on the other side of this, so I can speak coherently about this is I've had almost this neurotic fear of punishment and um favor happen within me that if I did this um I'm burning karma. If I don't do this, oh my God, I'm collecting karma. And it's like, it's a Buddhist hangover. It's a it's a, it's a a Catholic hangover. It's all of this. But it was really getting to the point of neuroses for me. And I finally came across a lot of mystical writing about this. And it's simply called the inner battlefield. And it was, and I cried when I read it. I was just like, I'm not crazy. And I'm going to get through this. It's like a real thing on the path and it's difficult. And I mean, who wants, you know, on your way to enlightenment, who wants to realize you're actually totally neurotic on the inside. The antidote to that neuroses of, I got to be good doing, if I'm bad, this is going to happen, is holding, cultivating beautiful visions of the future. So every time I thought God was going to punish me, or I'm going to get canceled, or I'm going to get whatever it was, I would just have to go to, I see myself doing yoga on the beach. I see myself just was so in love 80 years with my man, you know, whatever. I see myself with the sunflowers and that dissolve the, uh, dissolve the inner torture. And I think that's what's required of us right now. And so many of us, again, in this space, uh, I mean, it's so great to hang with you because we can laugh at ourselves, right? It's like we've been doing this long enough. But so many of us in this space are actually, we're, we're trying to change things with this doom. Yeah, yeah. And the work, I mean, the work, and this is, a, this, is a new, this is a phrase that's like really getting contorted. But the light work is to be the light in the dark. And to not not overemphasize, to not overprivilege everything that's not working. It's to say, look, I still have hope even in this battleground. And that's when you really have that Phoenix moment, you rise.
1: I need to um, make some changes to my Telegram channel (laughs) based on
0: that. i know. I had it's to get like, on telegram. It's, it's
1: like weird. my it's like my my outlet for all of the evil shit that I find in the world that I'll get kicked yeah. off social media for talking about um but sometimes yeah. I'm like, Wow, I'm actually creating a nervous system doom scrolling situation. I think my intention is not that it's to go, hey guys, sound the alarm um but i I've not yet found so much of the balance that you just illustrated in that right? It's like, okay, mm-hmm. yes, and well, if it if I'm focusing so much on what I don't want, collectively speaking, then isn't that kind of what I'm inviting in versus mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. least spending some of the energy on what I do want. That's one part. Another thing that came to mind is kind of the selfishness. Um, when I'm, I just made a new little uh, vision book. I have these little flashcards and I look at them before I go to sleep and had to make a new one because all my old ones came true. Like literally, mm-hmm. just everything. It's they were The dreams were too small, uh, obviously. So I made a new one. But as you said that, I was like, "Holy shit!" They were all about like my life improving. <laughs> there was nothing in that mm-hmm. vision for the collective. And obviously, as as my well being um, increases, I'm going to be able to make a greater contribution to the collective naturally. But it was like, "Oh, I want this. I want that." Whether it was something material or immaterial. But that was um, that was a good reminder to actually hold that vision of what's possible. Of like what I was describing earlier, where it's maybe in the cards that at some point in the future here on Earth, the duality could be less extreme. Right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's possible that maybe, you know, someone who's in like a lower vibrational field, it just they steal a pack of gum rather than like traffic a bunch of kids. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you for that. Um, on, on the topic of uh, neuroses, because I'm neurotic as hell. and I can tell. Thank you. And it's something <laughs> I've that seen,
0: I've seen all of the vitamins in your. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's on
1: another level. And it, it's something that I've actually kind of been self critical about because I think, mm-hmm. man, 25 years I've been working on myself. Mm-hmm. I, I'm certainly more enlightened than I've ever been. I don't know if I'm there or if there is a there, but I think, God, I'm still so controlling about like all the things, you know, the, the supplements, all the biohacking, all this shit. Mm-hmm. And then I heard on one of the Ram Das lectures, and I think he said this a few times, actually in different ways, but the essence of what he said was, over all of these years of spiritual work um i 've grown closer and closer to God and have become more enlightened over time, but i 'm no less neurotic at all <laughs> mm-hmm. he, said, he said like I still bite my fingernails like a neurotic, and i'm you know have sexual thoughts or whatever his version of neurosis was, and I was kind of like wiping the sweat off my brow like Oh God, I can just relax. You know, maybe it's not about, mm. you know, relinquishing all my micro and macro neuroses, but it's just about the seeking God. And if I'm doing that with some degree of dedication and consistency and humility, I, I win.
0: You win. You win when you love your neuroses. That's it. Like they haven't gone. They may never go. You don't know. But they're still here. They're banging on your door asking for attention just love them like I have learned to be it's it's more than tolerance it's like can I actually have reverence for the worst parts of myself my neuroses my arrogance um my controllingness and I'm getting there. And the softer I am with them, the more welcoming, like, you know, the more conversations, the more loving conversations I can have with those parts of myself that I've been really just trying to beat the shit out of for years, the less they control me. But they don't go away. They haven't gone away yet. And I think I need to be in the place of, well, they're just here today. I don't know. They might be here tomorrow too, but they're here today. So I'm going to be love today.
1: Do you think that these, Aspects of of each of our neuroses are maybe artifacts of the persona. Like mm. some of it might just it's just inherent to our lineage, uh, our genes. It's just mm. it's kind of how the the body and mind and and the, the the persona, I guess, is really the the best cumulative word for it. But that's kind of how I see it as as I come into that acceptance. Is like. This is kind of the personality, the persona that I seem to have been born with and how futile and frustrating it is when I fight against that rather than as you so wisely uh, suggested to actually embrace and love it because it seems like it's a chasing of one's tail to try to to ferret out all the things about you that are kind of wacky. And maybe those wacky things Mm -hmm. are just hard fucking wired. That's how they Mm -hmm. seem in me. Maybe until I love them enough that they're able to Adapt and evolve.
0: Mm. I think the answer to all of that is yes, it's yes and. I think we come in with some non-negotiables to our spirit, let's say, you know, whether you six planets in Virgo and born under this, you know, I think that's a really sacred blueprint, and it's going to dictate some things in our life. I think it's going to, it's like, that's the road we're going to walk. And how we walk it is the persona, is the personality, is the ego. So are you going to be grandiose and super controlling while you go through these passages and initiations that you have to go through because that's what your soul said when you were born at 1152 on this day? Or are you going to be gentle and zen and chill about it? But you you have to, you're going to have to honor the map <laughs> that you came in with.
1: Right. Uh, we touched on trauma a little bit, and this is something I, w- mm-hmm. I wanted to talk to you about. I remember years ago, um, interviewing Mastin Kip and he was using the term like trauma-informed a lot. And this person's trauma-informed and this one's not. And I think I had experienced so much trauma, I didn't even know what he was talking about Mm -hmm. (laughs) at the time. But um, Or maybe I just have a different vernacular for the same thing. But now it's so crystal clear to me, as you indicated earlier, um, when you were talking about how we experience trauma and then create these patterns or neural pathways, right? Where we then unconsciously invite in a mirror of that traumatizing situation as an opportunity to overcome it. And I started to just Mm -hmm. see this uh, unravel in my life over and over again as I started to become more trauma-informed. It's Mm -hmm. like, holy shit, my entire life has been dictated by early childhood trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I see someone acting out, someone who's doing the canceling or whatever it is, it's, it's becoming increasingly um and and just crystal clear to me that that's a hurt person that is just projecting their unhealed trauma so to me it's like my world view in terms of humanity is it's not even trauma informed it's like it's all trauma you yeah. know is is what it seems like so then that begs the question and i've been getting much more uh, m- many more questions about this myself um not that i'm at all an expert but i have done a hell of a lot of healing of my own trauma and feel pretty damn free of most of it at this point based on the fact that the patterns that used to perpetuate as a result of the trauma I endured have dissolved and are no longer operational. So it's like, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: it's quantifiable. My relationship, my finances, like all the things. Yeah. So some of the things that have been useful for me and you, you talked about the the value of therapy. Um, You know, I've done every kind of therapy I've ever heard of um, including hypnotherapy, EMDR. Uh, I went to a place called onsite in Nashville and did all this family of origin mapping Um, emotive, you know, pounding the pillows. I went to a thing called the Hoffman process, another week-long intensive that was kind of half science-y, half spiritually. All of these things, right, that have benefited me um, immensely. But I personally, I mean, I worked through a lot, but I couldn't break through the final layers of that, you know, some years ago. I was just stuck Mm -hmm. and I started to see the ways in which I was stuck. And I was I guess because of what I do, interviewing people, I kept hearing the word ayahuasca just coming into my field. And Mm -hmm. I'm I'm a sober guy. I'm in recovery. Like I did psychedelics Mm -hmm. in my 20s. Well, not just in my 20s, in my early (laughs) teens to late 20s.
0: (laughs) You did psychedelics, yeah.
1: I did a lot of the things, um, never intentionally at all. But it was just like totally off limits to me. It was just noise. Well, good for you if you went to Peru and like had an awakening. That's awesome. But it's never going to happen for me it kept kind of weaving its way and flirting with me to such a degree where I couldn't ignore it. And I had to start investigating. So I did. I interviewed a number of people, started to get a little educated, and eventually leaned into that. And the, and the rest is history and have had a number of incredibly profound experiences over the course of the past three and a half, four years. And within the first week of that exploration, and you hear this said by proponents of psychedelic therapy and stuff, I mean, maybe all of the work that I did prior to that created a nice framework for me to do some deep healing and kind of know how to navigate those spaces and to know what I wanted to do in there and why, Mm -hmm. but nothing in my personal experience, and this is not a blanket recommendation for others, I really want to get your take, but for me, when that entered into my practice in a very intentional, mostly responsible way, Mm -hmm. I mean, it healed my trauma, period. It's just gone. It's gone, Mm -hmm. you know, not that there aren't subtle artifacts, but what are some of the ways I guess is what my, will culminate in a question. What are some of the ways that you've found, whether they're that or not to get to that really deep stuff where it's not just talking about it or journaling about Mm -hmm. it, but where it Mm is actually somatically removed from your experience. Mm
0: -hmm. So I'm going to split hairs here with words. So, um, the, the trips, the med, the plant medicine didn't heal your karma. It expanded your mind so that you were able to heal the karma. It just got integrated. Just, I think it's good to nice might be useful to say that because it's That's it's good. not mm-hmm. it's it's medicine that enables you in a positive way to do what needs to be done. It's not a fix. It's not a fix, right? Because it doesn't right. heal everybody's trauma. Totally, right? it's just totally. You were expanded enough. Right. Well, yeah, Um,
1: and and to to your point, and thank you for that. That's a that's a powerful distinction. And to your point, I want to support that by saying I didn't just drink some ayahuasca and just lay there and do nothing. Like it took a tremendous amount of courage and tenacity to be able to actually be willing to go into those really dark, creepy corners mm -hmm. of my my lived experience to allow the facilitation of that healing. Right, like. I did heal myself, that's a very mm-hmm. important distinction, and was assisted through that. <laughs> and, and my prior attempts, I mean, I did a lot of healing and much of it around trauma, but the deep, deep stuff, I couldn't mm-hmm. get to on my own. But when I got to it, it was my willingness and my surrender to God, really, to allow the grace to enter into my being and, and, and do that healing, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So to your question about how to get to the deep stuff without the psychology, basically you're asking, you know, how do we get beyond the psych? And I love this question because I am on a current, potentially indefinite, well, it is indefinite, potentially forever hiatus from therapy. So I feel it's taken me as far as I can go. Done lots of it. All the things you listed. (laughs) I was there. I was there the weekend before you were. (laughs) Um, And I feel like I need more depth. I need to go beyond the thinking mind. I want to go beyond my mind. So it's not the mind that's going to get me there. And my choice, just want to be super clear. I have no judgment. In fact, I support and actually for specific people in my life, I recommend, you know, I suggest like, hey, I think you should. Do some plant medicine. That'll get you where you need to go right now. For me, it's not a modality. I And, you know, as I say, that some of this could be fear-driven. It could be wisdom. I feel like if you're not in the right place, you bring stuff back with you. I think you go on this super highway and it opens you up to all kinds of entities and energies that if you're not, oof, Not in shape, they jump on your back and they come in and they can wreak havoc in your life from headaches and tumors to divorces. So there's that for me. This goes back to, you know, I'm thinking just you and I as individuals. So it's like I'm thinking about you and the hornet's nest and then laying in the mud. And I just think that's such a beautiful story it's so Jungian in a way. It's like it brought you (laughs) back to nature, helped you be this healer, you know? And my, my, I don't have a story that relates, but a personality type as a child is just like, I'm gonna do this myself. And so my learning has been when I don't do it myself, I get into big trouble. So that's why I'm just like, I'm gonna stay away from the plant medicine. I use it in lots of other ways in my life. Like I consider essential oils, plant medicine. But to get beyond psychology, there is the do it yourself, go cold turkey, no more astrology readings, no more shamans, um, no more forecasting. And you do the work of you sit down every day and you be in the discomfort of the meditation. You be in the ecstasy of the meditation. You be in this discomfort every day of having reverence for your neuroses you just do the real hard stuff of having a holy perspective of all your humanness. And there's no hack energy up to it. It's not quick. I'm sure it can lead to lightning bolts, enlightenment experiences. I haven't had one. Like I feel, you know, I was joking last week, just to break this down to the real practical. I was joking a couple weeks ago with my publicist. I'm <laughs> just saying, you know, like I don't have an enlightenment ex- experience to talk about. Like I'm not putting myself on par with Eckhart Tolle and the like, but it's just like, there's so many bios now of spiritual teachers. Just like, oh, in 1974, he had an awakening experience. yeah, <laughs>
1: just yeah. Like, yeah.
0: I've just been here grinding <laughs> with my neuroses <laughs> totally. for many decades, and I've figured out a few things that may or may not be helpful to a few or lots of people. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I, I love that you brought that piece up because uh, you know studying the work of someone like Byron Katie or, or yeah. Eckhart Tolle, right? Where. Yeah. And these are throughout recorded history in all different lineages and whatnot, where someone's just living their life, they're in suffering, and they get hit by a lightning bolt, and now they're enlightened, and they're good forever. Like, that was like my fantasy for so long. I I
0: wanted to have a near-death experience. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't want to be maimed, but I want to see the light. And that's, you know, It's
1: like, okay, how many years do I have to meditate before this shit happens? And, And I think to your point around the use of plant medicine, psychedelics, et cetera, is in my subjective experience, there have been those transcendent mystical experiences that I've read about, right, and I know it, and I'm in it, and it's happening. but guess what then said ceremony ends, and you're on an airplane <laughs> you know coming back from wherever, and then you're still you're you know my dad was just in the hospital, like real life is still happening, and that's I think with any kind of experience, whether you're assisted by plants or not. It's the it's the integration, right? It's like, okay, how do I, if I got a glimpse of enlightenment going on a Vipassana retreat or however you did it, it's not about that moment. It's about how can I be here when the shit hits the fan and just get a sliver of that into my experience mm-hmm. in a practical, rooted, grounded way. And mm-hmm. I'm with you, man, on it taking forever. I mean, Jesus Christ, to be where I am today. It's a lot, a lot of years, man, of, of real dedication, too. And I'm going to pat myself on the back. And in the beginning, yeah, I mean, it may, maybe it was just in the aversion to suffering that really drove my, my seeking of God and truth and, and higher consciousness. But at a certain point, it flipped. And that's, and it,
0: but that's the purpose of suffering.
1: Ah, yes, yes. So right. it worked. Right. I kind of discount that as like not as virtuous, right? Because there was a certain point at which it was just, it was an aversion. It was like an attraction to the sweet nectar of peace and serenity and consciousness of just like, wow, I'm not running from anything really, but I just want more of however this feels to be able to face with an external challenge in life and actually just be present for it and not bypass it and feel all those terrible feelings and just Kind of stand there in the rain, right? Just, mm-hmm. okay, give me all you got. I'm, I'm not going to turn from this. I'm going to face it. And there's so much just uh, rich juice in that experience. Mm-hmm. But God damn, it's, it's no quick fix. Mm-mm. You know, by yeah. whatever route you go about it, unless you happen to be karmically destined like a, Eckhart Tolle or Byron Katie to just get zapped and then you become a spiritual teacher. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. And just to be fair, they went through extreme suffering. So, you know, Byron 10 years, so immobilized by depression, she was in bed and, you know, Eckhart having suicidal ideation for a long time. And I think it's also important to add that lots of people who have had those, you know, you have all the suffering it's like a you know protracted crucifixion. You have your enlightenment. You touch the divine. And then there's often this hangover, this integration phase. Like Katie walked through, where was she living in? Oh, she was called the hugging lady. She was so not in charge of her faculties yet after her enlightenment experience. She would walk into people's homes and just hug them. And because she lived in a small community, people just like, oh, okay, Katie's here, you know? And um, Eckhart sat on a park bench for years trying to integrate like what just happened. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think about that sometimes with stories, right? It's like, how many times have I been out in the world living my life and I'm in the presence of an enlightened master and I have no idea because they're not talking about it, right?
0: But you're, I mean, this is going to be so Zen, but you're in your presence. You are in the presence of an enlightened master. It's you. Uh, you (laughs) I mean, that's just a concept, but we know that's a capital T truth, you know? Yeah, Yeah, it is.
1: It is. Yeah. And I have actually had experiences too, where a couple that come to mind, one was um, our housekeeper back in LA, just beautiful person, uh, just incredible soul. And I'm pretty sure she was enlightened, honestly. Yeah. She was so yeah. happy and so at peace. And I never, you know, there was a language barrier. My Spanish is not fluent. It's okay, but not fluent enough to have a deep conversation with her. But I always want to ask her, like, what's your secret, right? Like, you have a job that wouldn't be preferable to me, but you've managed to, like, in a Viktor Frankl-esque way, make your life the best life. And you were hella happy all the time. What did you do? And I could just—it wasn't even like what she would say. It was her essence, and just being in her presence was enlightening. Right? It was just like she walked in. You just ah, you exhale that feeling. You know, I've had going to India and sitting at the in you know darshan with the supposed master, and you go in there like, okay, something's happening here. They have something. I don't know what it what what it is exactly, but it feels really good. So maybe it it is a practice of finding that within ourselves, and also. Kind of keeping a keen eye out when there might be an unassuming teacher in our midst. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: look for the light. You'll find it everywhere.
1: Perhaps now, more than ever, humanity is under an incredible amount of stress. Hell, even when the world's not this insane, normal life can be stressful. And aside from just being uncomfortable, stress can take a toll on your body, raising your blood pressure, making it harder to sleep, draining you of vital energy, and making you more irritable. That's why I strongly recommend that you supplement with magnesium daily. A shocking 75% of people are magnesium deficient. That number might be even higher among business owners and C-level professionals. That's because stress depletes magnesium levels. And this can, of course, trigger a vicious cycle of rising stress and severe magnesium deficiency. This magnesium stuff is so important that it's involved in over 300 chemical processes inside your body. It's a critical mineral. Having enough magnesium can give you better sleep, more energy, healthy blood pressure, less irritability, a calmer mood, stronger bones, reduced muscle cramping, and even fewer migraines. Sounds awesome, right? Well, to experience these health benefits, you have to get the right kinds of magnesium and most synthetic magnesium supplements just don't cut it. That's why I recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Optimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress relief and better sleep all in one bottle. This stuff's incredible. And I actually took one this morning before I left the house. And I was thinking about that as I record these ads. I'm like, okay, when did I use it last? Yep, it was today and almost every day. So for an exclusive offer for you Lifestylist podcast listeners, go to magbreakthrough.com slash Luke and use the code Luke10 at checkout to save 10% off and get free shipping. That's magbreakthrough.com slash Luke and use the code Luke10. Okay, I want to cover a couple more things nice I swear I'll let you go. So we've talked a lot about the content of your incredible book. Again, I highly encourage people to go grab a copy of that. They'll find a link to it at lukestory.com slash Danielle. But you're not only a multi-book author, I mean, you turn out books with a a degree of commitment that I find really impressive being in the course of trying to write one now for a couple of years myself. I'm like, wow. Um, So kudos to that. But I don't hear you talking about this that much. You're not like, from what I perceive to be a huge marketer, like, buy my programs, do my thing. But in going on your site, I thought that you, I saw that you did have a couple of programs, your heart centered membership and heart centered leadership programs. Mm -hmm. And I was poking around in there a little bit and I was like, this is super cool. So I just briefly wanted to give you an opportunity to sort of share with people how they can get more of what you do and start to,
0: you know, learn how to integrate your teachings in a more uh, concrete way. Cool. Yeah. For those of you who are still with us after this tour de force of enlightenment and suffering. (laughs) Thanks for hanging in there. Um, I've got two things going on. One, I'm really proud of my heart-centered leadership program. So we have 400 coaches and facilitators. Some of them are yoga teachers. Some of them are working at huge consulting firms who use this heart-centered curriculum in the workplace with their clients. And it's exercises for dissolving polarization and living a more reflective life. It's really beautiful really conscious community. And then we have our membership. And my membership, I look at it as a place of refuge, where you've got this library of different spiritual tools, and you choose your own adventure. And then we hang out a couple times a month and have what we call heart to hearts. And my experience is the community is intentional they really want to heal they're really we're really in that space of like okay how can we be reverent with our neuroses they really want to leave the world a better place it's really beautiful space yeah so heart center leadership program heart centered membership awesome and and then lots of lots of audios like my vision of my digital space is what do you need at eleven thirty at night When you're in a little bit of a suffering bind, I might have it for you at danielaporte.com. Well, thank
1: you for being so prolific and uh, giving us all this great information to chew on out in the world. I appreciate it. And again, I appreciate your time and thanks for being willing to do a deep dive. I find the two-hour conversation is easier for me and everyone when we're sitting in person like we were last time on Zoom. I I noticed at about 90 minutes, my eyes are like, whoa, That's a close Mm. computer screen. So I appreciate you taking the time today. And uh, we're going to put all your stuff in the show notes and definitely encourage people to pre-order your book and just support the work you're doing. So thank you.
0: Mm, This is a great conversation. Thank you. I love what you're doing. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Likewise. Thanks for joining us, Danielle. Well, that brings yet another episode of The Lifestylist to a close, my friends. Thanks so much for joining me and Danielle on this exploration of what it means to evolve as a human at this epic and sometimes confusing time on earth. And if you dug this show, please feel free to share it with some friends. And if you want to watch these interviews in real time as I record them, make sure to follow me on Instagram, at Luke Story, where I live stream the shows in my IG live feed every week. That's at Luke's Story on Instagram. And before we go, remember you can find Danielle's courses plus her heart-centered membership and heart-centered leadership programs in the show notes for this episode at lukestory.com slash Danielle. I'm gonna pop in here for a minute to remind you to sign up for the Off-Grid Homestead Bundle for only $50 between September 16th and 25th, 2022. You can find the registration link at lukestory.com slash off grid. Now I joined over 100 other thought leaders and creators who have contributed high quality eBooks, video courses, and guides on how to live a sustainable and self-sufficient life. And when we came together, we all agreed to contribute this content for 99% off retail. Why? Because we believe in how important it is to get this information out there to people like you. I know I'm going to devour the stuff that's in this program because there's literally everything in this mega content bundle for living a life of freedom, resilience, and sustainability. As a reminder, here are just a few of the topics covered. First, we've got EMF mitigation, of course. That's why my EMF Home Safety Masterclass is included in the bundle. And that thing in and of itself is over six hours of video content. Plus, you'll also learn some highly valuable and timely life skills like how to start homesteading and living off the land, permaculture, organic gardening, wild foraging, seed starting, canning and food preservation, self-sufficiency with solar-powered solutions, creating online income and monetizing Airbnb rentals, urban gardening, creating chemical-free cleaners, composting methods, organic farming, beekeeping and animal care, prepping and emergency preparedness, sovereign womanhood, home birth, breastfeeding and holistic postpartum practices and even how to start homeschooling. And that's just a fraction of the stuff included in this bundle. Here's what you do to sign up. Go to lukestory.com slash offgrid to get access to everything, including my EMF course for only 50 bucks. Again, that's lukestory.com slash off grid or just click the link that appears in your show notes on most podcast player apps. But don't forget registration for this thing is only open September 16th through 25th, 2022. So I highly recommend that you get signed up right now. It's lukestory.com slash off grid. And we've got a great show coming up because so many of you have been asking me to do another episode on holistic or biological dentistry So I'm coming back at you next week with precisely this. We'll be hosting my personal dentist, Dr. Stuart Nunnally and Candace Owens for episode 434, where we discuss everything from root canals, extractions, cavitations, and most of all, how your dental health impacts your entire body. It's going to be epic, and I really look forward to sharing that with you. Until then, do your best to remain loving, especially to yourself.